Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that features the very best in productivity and professional development in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Pat McDowell, and glad to help you on your journey towards senior leadership in the charitable world. Thanks, as always, for listening and for your feedback. It is a pleasure to bring you these interviews with some of the best and brightest in nonprofit leadership as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned, and the advice they are now giving. Uh, This week, though, I want to offer you a solo episode and bring you what I hope will serve as a checklist as you are walking or driving or in whatever format you are consuming this audio content. I want to give you 10 things to think about. In fact, these are the 10 essential skills and experiences I believe you need to work on to be successful as a nonprofit leader. Now, I've referenced many of these items throughout conversations in the first 50-some episodes of this podcast, so you'll uh, remember, perhaps, some of these conversations and the, the specific references as well. Also, I'll have in the show notes a list of the essential 10 skills and experiences, as well as some relevant links to some books and other things that I think may help you on your journey of self-assessment. Before I get into the countdown, uh, let me remind you of a couple of resources specifically around professional development. We're about to close the door on our fall cohort of the Mastermind program. Excited about the response we've gotten so far. We've got some good groups coming together. So if you are interested, uh, hustle and get us some information and we'll see if we can put you in the mix. Also, the New Development Professionals program as part of the Institute for Philanthropic Leadership. That kicks off on September 10th, 2020, if you're listening to this later in the game. Uh, But if you're listening to it in real time, uh, make sure you go to our website or the Institute of Philanthropic Leadership's website, and you can find out more and and join us for the cohort. That will be four uh, programs, uh, basically three-hour sessions over the course of September, October, November, and December. Uh, It's virtual. You can log in from anywhere and get the benefit of some great speakers and other resources around philanthropy and fundraising. Once again, all of that will be included in the show notes for this episode. Now, before I get into my top 10 list, let me make my provocative statement that I sometimes do in presentations that uh, most nonprofits, unfortunately, Uh, are not able or in a position to give you the kind of feedback that can help you build your professional skills and experience. And, uh, you know, the standard HR annual review uh, is is often a checkbox exercise. And so I think you need to take ownership for your personal self-assessment as you navigate your path to nonprofit leadership. And I have found in working with dozens of organizations and literally now hundreds of individuals who are seeking these senior leadership roles, as well as helping organizations hire these senior positions, these 10 elements are the ones that I believe make uh, a well-rounded candidate or or a significant uh, nonprofit leader. So as I walk through these items, uh, again, I would encourage you to consider a a self-assessment as as I share these with you and consider the question, all right, how am I doing in this category of a skill or experience? And ultimately, what I would suggest is that 
of the 10, uh, you're likely going to be fairly proficient in a third of them. Um, perhaps you're neutral uh, in another third or the second third. But there will be roughly a third of these 10 items, two, three, maybe four, that are ones you can work on. And that ultimately is the goal of this exercise, not to beat yourself up over those areas that you're uh, still developing. Um, but number one, build on the strengths you do have and make sure you have an opportunity to express those skills and talents in your current environment or perhaps uh, peripheral uh, volunteer organizations and so forth, but also then you can dwell on those areas that need work and set up the 90-day, one-year, or even three-year plan to address them. All right, item number one in our countdown of the 10 essential skills and experiences for nonprofit leadership is evidence of a lifelong learning plan. You know, nonprofit leaders must implement, in my opinion, a lifelong learning approach as they seek senior leadership. And they need to maintain this effort even after achieving senior leadership. Uh, things are always changing and evolving. And as I talk to folks who are currently or aspiring to be senior leaders, I'm looking for evidence of that. I want to know that you are actively assessing your skills and experiences and developing a plan to both build those skills that you're proficient in and also addressing those that need work. Uh, we talk about this in the path to nonprofit leadership, in particular developing a vision framework. Uh, often this involves an educational track, if you will, to your long-range planning. Do you need a graduate degree? Do you need proficiency in plan giving or budget management or strategic planning? What are those areas that you need to incorporate in your lifelong learning plan? But the point is, is there evidence of a plan at all? Uh, I have conversations with folks often who aspire to move up or out of a role that they're not comfortable, but they do not or are not able to articulate exactly um, the skills and experiences they need to work on, and the resources they are going to utilize to achieve that kind of learning success. All right, item two on your top 10 list of skills and experiences is evidence of a personal organization plan. Uh, like any profession in the digital age, uh, you are currently facing a relentless onslaught of information. And it's critical that you have a means to capture the data being thrown at you. And more importantly, ability to organize it in a way that you can effectively prioritize your tasks and, and review them in a meaningful way. Uh, I know your to-do list is very long. And I find many nonprofit professionals approach task management almost as an endurance test. You know, you're willing to simply stay up later to get it all done from an endless to-do list. And, you know, however noble this might appear, working longer hours does not assure true productivity. And as a nonprofit leader, it is infinitely more important that you are focused on the right things than simply more things. Now, I happen to be a fan of David Allen's Getting Things Done, uh, which is known GTD is the acronym. Uh, it's a methodology that helps kind of assess your to-do list and prioritize it more importantly. But I I'm not suggesting there is a singular method. I simply want to know that you have one, and it's not 
an endless to-do list, but evidence of a weekly or monthly review process to assure that uh, you're organizing all of the content that's coming at you and finding a way to get the most important things done. You know, a good check here is does your personal organization system allow you to also focus on the long-range elements that I talked about in the first thing, your lifelong learning plan, or are you buried by the daily administrivia that is sometimes uh, hard not to get lost in? Um, do you have a weekly review to assure that you got the right things done last week and you're looking ahead to next week? And specifically each day, do you know what the most important three things you've got to get done are? And are you checking them off or not getting buried by everything else? Here's the third item on our journey through the top 10 essential skills and experiences for nonprofit successful leadership. And it is, in fact, evidence of leadership itself. Clearly, the ultimate goal of the path to nonprofit leadership is to be in a senior position, whatever that looks like for you. You know, when I'm having coaching conversations sometimes with folks, they're like, well, my current position doesn't allow me to demonstrate leadership, you know, based on where I am in the organizational structure. Um, but I think there are opportunities in every organization for every individual to demonstrate leadership. You know, a couple of examples of that. Um, what events does your organization host or sponsor or organize? You know, can you be involved in leading a project? leading some volunteers, being involved in an activity or project that absolutely will illustrate leadership regardless of your title or org chart uh, affiliation. You know, what are the key programs or campaigns or projects that your organization has coming up on the horizon? And can you volunteer, in essence, to do more than your job description uh, and help out with some of those key initiatives that leadership in your organization will appreciate. And that certainly gives you a chance to demonstrate that skill. Um, what about outside of your organization? Are there volunteer or board committees that you're involved with um, through civic organizations or other volunteer and community activities you do? If you're going to spend the time volunteering, why not uh, volunteer to serve as a leader of a committee, of a project, of a campaign. Those are ways you can demonstrate leadership despite uh, any limitations you might have in your current job description. All right, so quick recap. Number one, you have a lifelong learning plan. Number two, you have uh, a program to identify and prioritize tasks and organize the data coming at you. Number three, you exhibit leadership whether it be within or outside of your organization. And number four is a focus on what I would call nonprofit and sector-based knowledge. Um, it's easy to vote, frankly, most of your time and mental energy to knowledge acquisition within your current organization. But ultimately, if you're going to be a senior leader in the sector, a hiring committee, a board of directors is going to expect you to understand things outside of your particular nonprofit. Now, within your sector, first of all, you need to be familiar with the local, the state, the national associations with which your current or perhaps future nonprofit organization is associated. You know, within each subsector, it varies, but likely your organization has some local affiliation through the United Way or an arts federation or the community foundation. 
See what other organizations are involved in your subsector or sector, and especially those organizations that take leadership roles. What are they doing? And the more you understand about organizations around you and best practices, that will help you articulate your leadership ability to see the bigger picture, which is exactly what hiring organizations are going to look for. Now, I always find this is a great uh, exercise and will help you uh, have conversations in the future that demonstrate your knowledge of the sector. Number one, what are the three organizations that would be considered peer organizations of yours? You should be able to articulate what the similarities and differences are between your organization and others that are like you. And, of course, the best way to do that is study them and see what can be learned by their best practices and perhaps alternative approaches to yours. Similarly, uh, an exercise I often ask boards of directors is who are the three organizations that would be considered aspirational for yours? You know, not just similar in comparison organizations, but aspirational. Who are the best in class, uh, the best in the state in your organizational's subsector, the best in the country? Um, your ability to identify best in class, I think, is a strong selling point and, again, demonstrates your ability to understand the sector beyond your organization. Of course, another way to do this is, is to make sure you do what we call curate knowledge. Um, instead of drowning in all of the data that's available to us, identify specific resources and reference points, You know, whether it's the Chronicle of Philanthropy or Nonprofit Times, Stanford Social Innovation Review, Nonprofit Quarterly. Uh, we'll list some of these in our show notes so you can use them. And, and make sure you're spending what is a limited amount of time to read and learn. And make sure you're focusing on sources that can be truly beneficial. All right, item number five, what I call financial acumen. You know, most nonprofit professionals that I've interacted, myself included, we enter the field uh, with a passion for the mission. And we come in from the program side or maybe from the fundraising and program development side. Now, these programmatic and uh, external relations skills are certainly important for your eventual senior leadership on the path, but they're not actually required for success uh, to the same degree as financial mastery. Uh, this is not to suggest that you need to have an accounting or finance degree to successfully serve as an executive director, but you do have to be competent at budget management uh, for your nonprofit business as well as the associated profit and loss statements, balance sheets, and overarching financial evaluations, such as your nonprofit's audit and your IRS Form 990. The point is, passion for the mission is indeed important, and your ability to sell that is important, but you will still need some degree of financial acumen and mastery to ultimately manage what is a business. The nonprofit is indeed a business and you've got to be competent in that if you want to be in the senior chair. Now, for those of you coming from a liberal arts degree like I did, do not panic. Most nonprofit organizations have access to accounting and finance talent either on staff or through an accounting firm. So you're not going to have to do everything and know everything. But the fact remains that you will have to have enough financial acumen to comfortably discuss these issues with your appropriate staff. Uh, board members, and accounting professionals that will be associated with your nonprofit. 
Now, my approach here is to uh, attack this in two ways. One I would call academic, and the other would be practical. You know, on the academic side, take it upon yourself to learn the basics of accounting through text or online resources. Understand, you know, the basics of financial management and be able to identify the, the differences between your profit and loss statements, your balance sheet, statements of cash flow, and et cetera. You know, I, in fact, uh, pursued a master's of business administration, an MBA, because I knew I was not uh, proficient in some of these business practical elements and, and that my passion for nonprofit mission would not be enough to run the organization. And obviously that influenced my uh, lifelong learning plan in particular. So you could add this to your um, curation of knowledge and information, your education plan. But the second part of your financial education could really be on a practical level and, and allow you to use your own organization as the primary teaching tool. Many nonprofit professionals, especially earlier in their career, um, you know, may not be required to understand the budget or the financial details. You know, that's something for others uh, within the organization. But it doesn't prevent you from volunteering to learn more. And that is exactly what I would suggest. In fact, three things that I would suggest you consider if you're not involved in the business or finance side of your nonprofit now. Number one, schedule a meeting with the organization's chief financial officer. I'm sure you may have some interaction with them, but uh, maybe it's only in the context of budget clarification for your area. I think you'll find the CFOs often are delighted to talk to someone who's not there just to wrestle with them about their budget. And you can talk to the CFO. And to me, I'd go with a key, couple key questions. What are the three revenue drivers that are most important to our financial health? What are the three key expense drivers that are critical to our financial health? That alone gives you an overall context that would help them uh, explain to you and then help you be comfortable talking about the finances of your organization. Second item you might consider, volunteer if uh, it's allowed to go to the finance committee of your board or the finance committee of the organization. Uh, again, maybe it's not something you would typically be invited to, but it, it would be good experience in the long term as a, a nonprofit executive to understand what those meetings are like. And again, you could use your meeting with the CFO as a means to orient you to that meeting and then maybe talk to him or her after the meeting to understand the context, the nuances of that discussion. Um, final, third of these uh, ways to uh, engage in greater financial acumen is to do some homework around your organization's 990 and the most recent audit. These are typically financial documents that uh, not everyone wants to wade through, but someone on the board and staff likely has to put it together. Again, I would wager it's someone in the CFO's department, if not the CFO and or the board treasurer. But if you're ultimately going to be in a senior leadership role, you need to understand these documents. Again, if you are comfortable with the CFO, this would be something else that could be on that agenda. Talk about what goes into those documents, study them yourself, and then be ready to talk more about it. Uh, but to me, that is a great practical experience in gaining financial acumen if you would consider these three steps. 
All right, halfway through our skills and experience countdown, we're up to number six, and it is, in fact, public speaking. That is a skill that you will need to cultivate on your journey to senior leadership. Uh, public speaking, as you may know, typically ranks high on many individuals' lists of things they do not like to do. Uh, but it is a skill that's important in nonprofit leadership, whether it's communicating internally uh, to staff or board audiences or to external audiences like at special events or with the media. Depending on your current role, the chance to practice extemporaneous public speaking or prepared presentations may vary. But gaining additional practice should be on your list of things to do. Um, whatever your current comfort level is, I think you need to incorporate public speaking into your learning and development plan. In this kind of coaching dynamic, when I'm working with someone, I ask them to consider three things that they need to sharpen their skills around public speaking. Number one, audience analysis. Being thoughtful about who literally is in the audience and are you delivering to them the type of presentation that they want to hear. And often I think we're focused on the content we want to deliver but are not intentional about considering what the audience hopes to get out of it. Is this an informational session or is this a special event gala that people are more excited about socializing and therefore your message needs to be uh, within the context of a more social setting versus a board committee that is indeed there for information and analysis. So audience analysis is number one. Number two, presentation structure. Do you do a good job of organizing your extemporaneous or prepared presentations around three things? Headline, are you clear as to exactly what your objective is and do you articulate that? Now, what are the supporting elements? You know, I look in, at a rule of threes here. What are the three points or examples you can give to reinforce your headline? And then summary and what ultimately is a call to action, whether it's to raise funds or to make a point or to increase engagement. Do your presentations involve an effective start, middle, and finish? And then finally, your delivery. And often this is what people focus on, but I think the first two points are equally important. But do you have effective skills in effective delivery in terms of your eye contact with the audience, your pace, are you speaking too fast or too slow, your volume appropriate for the environment in which you're in. These are things you can practice, and again, I would encourage you to do so. Similar to public speaking, I think another skill you have to have is written communication. Um, and whether or not you are a liberal arts major <laughs> and had lots of writing experience in your undergraduate or graduate programs or whatever experience so far, as a senior leader in nonprofit, you are going to have to communicate effectively through writing. In fact, I would suggest there are four areas that you could think about and practice should you not feel comfortable in any one of them. Uh, number one is is what I would call narrative writing. You know, can you put your story and your organization's story effectively in writing? Tell the story uh, in a meaningful way. The second one is persuasive writing. As a leader of your nonprofit, your voice will be critical in all of your organization's call to action. And um, 
most of these communications will be first in writing before you have a chance to verbalize. So you're going to have to get that out, whether it be through a newsletter or a letter to your constituents or board members or prospective donors. Speaking of board members, the third type of written communication I think you need to be skilled in is what I just call the business memo, particularly as it relates to board members um, who are interested in a concise summary of information. They do not want the full narrative in this case. So you have to be able to distill concepts and, and situations and issues in a meaningful but uh, summarized fashion. And, and that's what I would call the business memo uh, setup. And then finally, don't forget the personal touch. There is still such an important part of communication, especially to donors and prospective donors. I think the handwritten note is among the most valuable tools in that setting. Similarly, an effective handwritten note after you interview for an opportunity is also a tool that you ought to be well-versed. As we move into the home stretch of our top 10, the next skill or experience that I think is often underappreciated is that of a good listening and conversational skills. Uh, obviously, the previous two skills or attributes were communicating both verbally and in writing. But I'm convinced a lot of searches and a lot of candidates lose in the final stages of searches because of their inability to be an effective conversationalist. Um, do you make eye contact or are you staring over someone's shoulder <laughs> during a conversation? Are you an active listener through verbal affirmation and or body language? You know, do you repeat key information when you're speaking with someone to affirm what they're saying and better understand? Um, do you pose thoughtful follow-up questions that allows a colleague to expand on their thoughts or someone that you're interviewing with ultimately, whether it be individual or in a panel setting? Um, are you guilty of interrupting, which I see more and more, and I, I just think is often a cardinal sin of effective communication. Uh, you're so anxious sometimes to speak and share your thoughts that you're not listening and pausing to reflect. The, the ninth uh, item on our list is uh, what I would just uh, title is networking. Nonprofit leadership requires you to be able to network with uh, all types of constituencies within your sector, within the community, within the funder world. And so your building networks now is a skill and experience that will pay off. Um, and one way you can approach this is, number one, think about who are some nonprofit leaders that serve the same population your organization does. I mean, can you identify three such leaders that you admire and that perhaps you could reach out to and connect with? You know, who are the most respected donors and volunteers that support your cause? Perhaps you could interact with them, not to call on them for funding, particularly if you're not a fundraiser but simply to, to seek their advice and their kind of worldly wisdom. People appreciate that and I think often are very comfortable talking about it, sharing their story, which in fact, of course, builds a rapport with you that might allow you to connect with them again in the future. And who are some of the key community leaders that influence policy and the public discourse around your organization's mission? Regardless of where you are, again, on the organizational chart, 
uh, if done in an appropriate way and respectful of their time, I think people like that are willing to meet with uh, individuals like you who they would consider an up-and-comer. And that, and, and again, would build your networking skills uh, and uh, experience for the future. And last but not least, you have to demonstrate an ability, I believe, as a nonprofit leader to uh, utilize strategic planning and understand the fundamentals of that effort. It, you know, it, it coincides closely with a previous attribute, which is just simply leadership and your ability to motivate, communicate, and lead volunteers and staff, board members, etc. But to be hired in the senior role, all nine of the previous elements, I think, are important, as is this final element of strategic planning. Can you help articulate a vision and help determine collaboratively the vision for an organization? Can you conduct an assessment, a SWOT analysis, and effectively and objectively uh, evaluate strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats for your organization? And finally, can you translate that after doing an assessment with a vision in mind, can you create a path to get there through smart goals and tactical activities on a calendar timeline so that that successful uh, you know, vision can be realized? Many people, again, might say, well, but I'm not able to participate in the strategic planning exercises of my organization because of the nature of my role. But I would suggest you can apply strategic planning to anything you're working on. Maybe it's simply a project for which you are responsible. But there's no reason you can't practice articulating that project in a strategic planning framework. What is the ultimate vision for your project? How is it going to move the organization forward? Even if it is within uh, a, a fraction of the overall organization, it's still important. And you can demonstrate an ability to assess uh, this project before it started. What were the component parts that led to the project you're uh, now evaluating and ultimately going to manage so that it will progress forward? And then, of course, project management in and of itself is defining these tactical activities that must be accomplished to achieve the goal. Well, I hope you have enjoyed these uh, concepts, these 10 essential skills and experiences, and perhaps used uh, through listening to this uh, episode, you've been able to do your own personal self-assessment. How did you score yourself in each of these 10 areas, even at a high level? Are you comfortable uh, in terms of your experience or your ability to deliver on that skill, or is it something you need to work on? And certainly all of us have areas of uh, these within these 10 that they need to work on, and even when you reach a senior nonprofit leadership role. But I hope this gives you some food for thought, helps move you forward on your path to nonprofit leadership, and gives you some specific tactics to build your professional uh, strategic plan for long-term success. Well, thanks as always for listening and being part uh, of our podcast community. Uh, if you have not yet subscribed, please go to patmcdowell.com. You can find out more about this episode and the show notes associated as well as all of our episodes and the guests that we will continue to bring to you on a weekly basis. 
Don't forget they come out every Thursday morning. This is a weekly podcast. New episodes will be coming out. And as always, uh, feel free to share this with somebody else on the path. And perhaps that will lead them to consider where they are and things they can do to help assure long-term success. Don't miss any of these episodes coming forward. We've got some great guests line up for the fall, and I hope you will join us in every instance that you can. Thanks for all you're doing in the nonprofit sector, especially right now, and keep up the good work for causes that are most meaningful to you. I'll keep bringing you content that can help you do it even better. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time on The Path. 